When I'm on stage, I'm always like, all right, I know that the set that I'm working on now and the set that I'm putting together, I go, it's not relatable, but it's interesting. Yeah. Because if it's relatable, that means most of the people in the audience went through it. Yeah, but that's, that's I, an interesting distinction. Yeah, so I go, it's not relatable. Because you wouldn't be able to go, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> your mom was on drugs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right, right. And let's, some people go, some people go, yeah, well, my mom was on drugs. And I go, all right, and it affects them. But then sometimes, like you've seen the audiences, yeah. you go to different shows. And they don't look like me, and they don't, they don't, they didn't come from where I came from. But I'm like, I don't have to make them feel bad about that shit. So let me give you this, let me give you my story in the most humorous way possible. So that way you're still interested. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the D.C. area this weekend, we've got D.C.'s Best Showcase at Big Hunt and Sam Morrell at D.C. Draft House. You can get tickets and info on the website. Our guest today is Monroe Martin. Monroe's a very funny comic based in New York City who has appeared on Last Comic Standing and The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. In this episode, he talks about growing up in foster care, moving to New York with no job or money, and his approach to presenting his comedy to new crowds. I lived in Philly for my whole life. I lived in other places for like little bits and pieces because I grew up in foster care. So I lived in D.C. Well, not D.C. I lived in Upper, Mar- Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Okay. And I lived in like How old were you PA. then? I was probably like nine or ten. And then I lived in like uh, Jersey for a little bit and then the outskirts of P.A. And then lived in pa and now i'm in new york so you got a nice taste of the mid mid-atlantic mid-atlantic region, region. East yeah Coast. i've been everywhere man yeah. i see how the amish live yeah that's i see Philly, the yeah. hood i seen the suburbs i've been everywhere yo what do you think is the best what do you mean like everybody i want to live i want to be i want to live in like a nice place like a nice fucking house but close to the city yeah like That's you right. want to be right there. You want to keep your eye on the city. Yeah, like, I, I agree. see y'all, motherfuckers. I agree exactly. That's the dream. The to, dream. But it's hard. It's hard to accomplish because there's only so many Fuck little it. houses that are close to the city Fuck that it. you we can get to. We gotta do it, man. Yeah, we have to do it. Yeah, we man. have to. So, what was it like growing up in foster care? Um, up and down. I had some good experiences. Uh-huh. I had some bad experiences. Uh, like I was talking on stage. Um. I live with a lot of terrible people because a lot of people just wanted the money wow. because they're on welfare. A lot of the families, not every family, but a lot of the families that I live with collect the welfare, collected some sort of like social security. That never occurred to me that somebody would do it for that reason. Yeah, and they would get the money. So the people who did it for the money, you know, there's no love. There's more like they think they'll guide you in the right direction. Yeah. They're like, it's funny because now I look back and I'm like, oh, like all these people like, don't do that. Don't do this. And I'm like, but they still bums. Like they didn't know. They were just acting like adults. Do you feel like um, as you were growing up, like there's no one to like really tell you the right way to do things because the people that you have that are supposed to be doing that, they don't have their life together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I took bits and pieces. I put life together in my head. Yeah. Uh, like, 
I learned very early, do as they say, not as they do. Because a lot of people know the right thing to do, but they yeah. don't know how to put it into action. Because it's not that hard to say it. Yeah, it's so easy mm-hmm. to say it. Yeah. But I would, uh, I would like listen to my foster parents, and I would see what they would do, and I would go, well, I'm never going to do what they do. Right. But if they say good, good, get good grades, I'll get good grades. Yeah. Because they didn't get good grades. They got a shitty job. Right. They taking care of me. Like we're living in the heat's off. The water doesn't work. They can't feed themselves. So yeah. I'm like, all right. I started listening to shit like that and never really had a father figure. I had male figures in my life who are like older and they gave me some good wisdom on like how to just persevere, but right. they didn't nobody prepare me for this, for right. like this part of my life. Nobody. There's a lot of everyday stuff that you need to know. That's not yeah. just advice. That's like yeah. it's just uh, practical, practical things. Yeah. And uh, you know, you kind of need it early because yeah. you, you know, you're a kid. You don't, you don't know what the steps are to take. And if someone's there to tell you what to do, it makes it a lot easier. Well, it's because sometimes, like, even if you, because a lot of people still have parents, but their parents didn't teach them because their parents didn't know. Right. You know, their parents didn't know how to right. be successful or be successful in a way that their kid dreams of. Do you, did it put in you like a determination to be a certain way? Absolutely. So what did you tell yourself that you I were going to do? I told myself that I couldn't be a victim. No, Victims do not get far. They may make noise. They may get attention. But after you're the victim, then what else is there? Right. I always looked at it like that. You know what I mean? Yes. If you're a victim and then after you get what you want, you can't be the victim anymore right? because then they catch on. But if you become a product, if you can remind people, I, like I use that in my stand-up, if you can remind people of an outside world but not make them feel bad at the same time, yeah. you're fucking valuable. That's right. And that's what, I, and that's what I've taken away from my adolescent life Yeah, because I'm like, oh, okay, I'm learning how to be a product and push forward and be that story. Mm-hmm. When did you yeah. start doing stand-up? I started doing stand-up at 22. Oh, very young? Yeah, I wanted very young. I wanted to start younger. You did? I was doing stand-up, and there was motherfuckers who parents had to sign them into the club. Really? And they were getting that stage time. They were getting that heat. They were getting all the laughs. They were getting all the girls. They were because getting it, all the spots. Because it was, like, adorable? Because they were fucking, yeah, they were adorable. They were cute. They did their kid jokes. Yeah, right. And then I'm in that middle stage because 22 is old enough to be an adult, but yeah. not young enough, but like not old enough to be respected. Yeah, and you don't you have any, you don't have wisdom. Like, you know, yeah. you, it's too many. Uh, you still have too many dumb ideas that, are, that so you many, haven't got rid of yet. That's when you should have. I wish around that time I learned how to write because that's what would have been a perfect time to have a writing job. Yeah, as a like a like a writing job when it comes to like, like, I'm not so, like maybe SNL, but also like a pop up talking head show where they're just like, what's cool? Yeah, like, yeah. This is what we're into. Yeah, because you have so much energy when yeah. you're that age, and you just have everything is exciting to you. Everything. So you get a lot of ideas because it's all new. Dude, when you're older, you know you're like, mm-hmm, yes, yeah, yeah, that's how it more is. Refined. <laughs> I don't think. I feel like. When you turn 30 or you're on that cusp of 30, that's when people start paying attention mm-hmm. to you because they're like, oh, no, you're an adult. Adult. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're paying to see an adult. We're not paying to see a boy. Yeah. So yeah. do you feel you, you notice a change in the audience perception of you when you got older? Yes. 
I uh, starting in Philly and doing comedy in Philly, a lot of the open mics it was it was always old people and like college kids. And then the more I started to like mature, it became people that look like me and mm-hmm. people that are my age. I right. still get the I still get the older people who are like, man, you were funny, and the younger people are like you're funny. But the people who are in their thirties. Fuck with me, which makes sense, yeah. right? Because you know you're you're speaking to their experience. You yeah. know it makes perfect sense yeah. that the people who or have, not even their experience. I'm speaking in. I speak their language. I think. Yeah, I you're at their, their level. You're at their level. Yeah. You're at their life stage of maturity and yeah. interest in things. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, yo, I'm still youthful, but you know. I'm I'm an adult. I got a mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got right. taxes. I got debt. That's what yeah. they at now. That's good. Yeah. Did you go to college? I went to community college for. I went to community college for three years. I only got like twenty credits. And did you have them in mind something that you wanted to do then, or do you always want to do stand up? <sighs> I I always wanted to do stand up, but I just didn't know how to really approach it. Right. So. When I was in school, I was doing whatever I thought was cool, uh-huh. or whatever I thought would be like, oh, like, cause people, I feel like people go to college to, to brag about the next step of their lives. So if I'm doing something that doesn't make people emotional, then they're like, oh, okay, good for you. So I, I wanted to be an ASL major. Okay. I was like American Sign Language. Okay. And I was really involved in it. Like I would go to the meetups. And they would teach me how to sign. How did you come? What made you think of that? Because one of my friends, he's a coder, means a child of deaf adults. So okay. both of his parents are deaf, but he can speak. And okay. so can his sister. So he he taught me. To, I seen him talking to some chick in the mall one day. Uh-huh. She was bad. And she was like, I guess, like deaf, but she was bad. She was fucking pretty as shit. Uh-huh. Man, he's signing. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck were you doing? He's like, oh, I was talking to the chick. Like, she was deaf. <laughs> I was like, she bad. I didn't even know. Like, it's so dumb. You're like, I didn't even know deaf chicks could be bad. So you're, yeah, like, right. And he's like, yo, no, all chicks are bad, dude. But he's like, learn it. Like, I'm telling you, man, there's some deaf women out here. So I was like, I'm going to learn. And then you thought shit. you thought you would get all beautiful women. I would get, I, I thought because I knew sign language that that'll get the panties wet because they were like, oh, what do you do for a living? Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I'm a translator. Oh, what do you translate? Spanish? No, sign language. Oh, you talk with your hands. <laughs> like, I was going for the draws. That's hilarious. I was going man. for the draws. And, uh, but you, and you got kind of far along? I passed those courses. I didn't pass my, like, I wasn't good at the English courses and I wasn't good at the, uh, the math, like the, the shit that you actually need uh-huh. to, to pass and get your credits. But the eight, the the signing classes, I fucking, I got like a B in my first one, and I got, I got an A in my first one and a B in my second one. So, so you I took can, ASL one hundred and one, then I took ASL one hundred and two, and they make you your like they teach you the alphabet, they teach you the number. I still know, I still know. A little. You this can is a little. This is can, right here. This is a little. It's a little bit. I know a little bit <laughs> right here, like this, a little bit. I know, I know, this mean I know, or I don't know. Like I know enough, I know how to spell, I know how to communicate, but I don't know how to have full-blown conversations. Like yeah. if someone was like, hey, you know what a bathroom is? I could be like, yes, I know how to guide them. And then the, the highest level is when you sign musicians as they're on stage. Oh my God, I, you I, ever I watch that? love that dude. You watch them on stage? Oh. 
And they make all do the facial expressions and body language to go along with the music. I love to do that shit. <laughs> but man, and that's good because you're tall. People will be able to see you. All. You know, it's important. Yo, you got to be visible. Be, I would have been the best sign language hip hop interpreter ever. Yeah. Well, it's still a possibility for you if you need it. Nah, <laughs> I don't have that section in my head, man. You I moved on. I moved on. Like all that shit. Like I want to learn another language, but I can't at this yeah. point. My wife wants me to learn Spanish because she's Colombian. Okay. She speaks Spanish to everyone in her life except me. You don't want to try? I try. It just yeah. doesn't stick with me. It's very hard. You speak Spanish? I mean, I took it in high school. See? And you just thought I said no. No, I mean, I could... If I if I had a Colombian wife, I would probably... I'd learn how to do it like to the level that you can do sign language, you know? Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. So you're saying I'm being lazy. That's just saying, because you, well, you fucked up. You went, if I had a Colombian wife, I would learn it. No, no. I'm only saying that because I did... I, I spent several years yeah. already learning like the very basic words. Yeah. And so I don't think it would be that hard to get to a place where I could like talk a little bit. Okay. But it's still, I would never get to, I wouldn't, I don't think I would be able to get to a point where I could like have com- like full conversations like you're saying. Yeah. Cause I that's would hard love to, cause it's, it's really it's hard to get it. Hard. I did. I went to uh, France. You speak French? No, but I, mm. so I, I used Rosetta Stone for a little bit just to like learn enough to okay. like try to like sh- everybody's like just show that you're making effort. Yeah. And they say a couple of words, they'll understand you don't know what you're doing yeah. and then they'll speak English to you. Yeah. And that works. Okay. But every once in a while I'd say too many words and it would and work no and like, they would think that I could speak oh and they'd start God. speaking back to me in France re- in French real real fast. And you'd be like, "No, no, 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 no." Like I tried to I went I went to go buy like the girl I was dating at the time, she she sent me to buy a baguette. Yeah. And so she's like, just go get a baguette. Just say this. She tells me what yeah. to say. I got the money. I say it. Le- the woman comes back. She, she just is talking, talking, talking back to me. I'm like, I- I'm just shaking my head. I just say the, the thing again. Yeah. And... And she eventually she like understands like oh no 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 we don't have we are out of that we are out of oh. regular baguette we have a fancy baguette only, you know Damn. if you want that it costs more. Did you get that? Yeah, well, yeah. What oh, choice yeah. did I have? I okay. had to get the baguette right. to go back. But <laughs> yeah, but I but anyway, anyway that's it. It's hard. It's really hard to learn a language when you're old. I think yeah. everybody says you gotta do it when you're a little kid. I know. Fuck that thirty three year old brain, dude. No, it's done. It ain't man. built the same, yeah, man. Yeah. Like learning makes me tired. Yeah, it does. Like, that's the only way I can go to sleep. Like, that's fucked up where if I'm, like, up, I'll go, I'm going to just read something. And that's my melatonin. Like, the moment I start reading something. Oh. <laughs> so, I can't. My brain don't even want to learn. My brain is like, oh, this motherfucker's using this brain and yeah. his eyeballs. <laughs> that's funny, dude. So, what was it like? How long did it take for you to, like, get into comedy to the point where you're like, uh, I think I think this is something I'm going to I got doing. into it quick. Um, quick burn. I started when I started. I probably stopped for like a month. I stopped for like a month because I was in a relationship and I was putting more time in that relationship. But then I was like, this is stupid. Social media was popping Uh or was starting off. So I seen my friends who were on my level at that time move up above me Uh and I didn't sit with me right. Yeah, and that's always bothers you, right? Yeah, and Nobody I and I that. stayed in Philly for like three years, and I did every club I could. I did the hood rooms, I did the the mainstream rooms, I did all that shit. And then somebody was like, 
man, you should just go to New York. And I was like, yup, if that's where all the killers are, I'm going to go to New York. Yeah. So that was three years into comedy. So my comedy career really started in 2010. Like, even though I, I matter of fact, I wouldn't say really started because living in Philly those three years, it was very like, it was like being in an incubator. But then when you right. move to New York, you lose, you got to make new friends. Yeah. You got to go to, there's so many options in this shit. So I like leaned in heavy. I went out to New York 2010 with no job. I had no fucking job. What'd you do? No fucking job. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, yo. There was this app called Gig Salad. I would uh-huh. like do little gigs off of that. They, those things sucked. It was like I was performing on like party buses for like drunk uh, chicks who just That's were hilarious. like, take it off. I'm like, you don't want to see me take this shit off. You'd rather hear these jokes. I did old lady birthday parties. Like I'm taking old, like 90 year old lady birthday parties, nieces and nephews running around. There's babies in the room. And there's people that were just going to this site and they're like trying to hire a comedian. And they try to hire comics. That I have never heard and about. I, I didn't even I, know that was a thing you could do. Man, I would open up for my friends at their college gigs. Uh, I was sleeping on a recliner at my boy, like Derek, we came last year together. Oh uh, yeah, Derek Gaines. Yeah, I was sleeping on his recliner. I paid him rent to sleep on his recliner. Yo, mm. that's I what you gotta get do. A job. I did a dog. I did dog walk. Every job I tried. Oh, to you get, never I got, got a regular fired. job. I because every job I got, I got fired. So what you get fired for? I did a dog walking job. I did that dog walking job for like a week, pushing two weeks. I'm getting to the point where I'm uh, where I don't have to be chaperoned by my boss. Me and my boss are walking and talking. I'm very talkative. I'm making her laugh. Uh-huh. And we're walking the dogs, right? My dog, as we're laughing and talking, the dog stops. The dog shits. I turn around. We lollygagging with her, yada, yada, yada. Some lady on the phone walks by on her phone, not paying attention, uh, texting. Ste- <laughs> steps in the shit with a yeah. flip-flop on. <laughs> like a thong flip-flop. Yeah. But she kicks the shit, and it goes onto her toes. It gets in her fucking toes, dude. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my fucking god. I'm like, try, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I get a lady like, we don't got no napkins, so I give her like the doggy bag. Yeah. Try to wipe it off. She's just pissed the fuck off. She's like, I need to know. I need your contact information. Oh my god. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm like, this is my boss. And my boss is like, I'm so sorry. Blah blah blah. My boss act like everything was good. Yeah. And then the like the next day, I got an email. Hey, you know, we're actually, we're not going to need you. We're actually overstaffed. You yeah, know, yeah, but thank yeah. you for giving us a week of your time. Blah, blah, blah. I did that shit. <laughs> I fucking passed out flyers for Metro PCS. And then we would get, it was me and Joelle Johnson. Yeah. You know Joelle? Sure, of course. She's the shit. Me and Joelle Johnson, we fucking uh, passed out flyers for Metro PCS. And then we got hipped to the thing that you didn't have to. Like, you had to take a picture of yourself passing out the flyers. That's it. That was the only evidence. They just want to see <laughs> One picture. So we take, no, we did a bunch of pictures. Yeah. We stacked them up. Right. We stacked the pictures up throughout, like, take 80, some in the sun, some, like, <laughs> yeah. like in the shade to look like if it yeah, different started to rain and uh, shit. Yeah. We did that. And we would just start sending them to them. Oh, where you at? <laughs> yeah, we here. We out there. We in a car watching. Different outfits. Dude, we are watching The Wire. We watching entire seasons of The yeah. Wire, eating Chinese food, 
And then he texts us and he's like, hey, where are you guys at? And we're like, oh, we're around the corner. He was like, really? And we're like, fuck, all right, let's get ready. We get out the car. He's standing on the corner like, really? So he fired me. I got a job moving wood, me and Minuin. We got a job moving wood, and a dude kept trying to get it. He took us to a junkyard, and he tried to get us to get, like, these little wood with, like, nails sticking out of it because he was, like, yeah. an artist or some short shit. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. He was paying us, like, $20 an hour. So we were like, yeah, $20 an hour, but every piece of wood he wants, it got nails and shit. And we're like, no, nah, I got latex gloves on. That's not protecting my fucking hand. So I, I quit. Yeah, that's – they could just give you real gloves. They could have given me real gloves. I fucking quit that job. Uh, and then I just started, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to just figure it out. I would like do road gigs for like a hundred bucks and like drive to like Florida. A hundred bucks. I used to do shit like that. I'd be like, yo, I'm going to figure this shit out. So my comedy career didn't start until 2010. So that's you, when I was fucking grinding it out. So, and then eventually you were able to, to piece together enough money from the gigs that you were doing that you could live off of it without having a regular job yeah see what happened was uh so the friend that i was opening up for i started getting good reviews at the college gigs and then she just ended up representing me so she rep me uh and i she got me enough colleges to where i can afford rent nice but I would have to like i have to figure something out for like to eat and to yeah, buy clothes yeah, 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 yeah. around new york so on top of that, I would I would feature for comics, and I would uh, do the I would do background acting. Uh-huh. Remember that shit? You ever had to do background acting? No. Background acting paid seventy five dollars a just day. Just being an extra. You just in the background. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would yeah. stack them up. I would go. It was like seventy five dollars for the day. I'll go. All right. So I'll do three days a week. And then I'll do some stand-up, some open mics, all that shit. You can eat for free if you're a background extra. I'll figure oh, that's the pretty fuck good. out. And <laughs> then I got I got a manager during that time. I got uh I started getting like more my college gigs increased. I got like uh I started getting recommended for shit. And I started getting on better shows where the city started paying me. Like right. those guest spots at clubs, now they were paying me like they were paying me the twenty five dollars during the weekday, but yeah. that still added up. Sure. And then I started doing the weekends and that's like a hundred dollars. So I was like, fuck it, I'm in the groove. Yeah, yeah. And I did last comic I did tonight. I started working. I started figuring out how to work. How was last comic? Last comic was dope. Last comic was dope. It was my first time doing stand up on tv I, it was great wanda sykes was there she was like she was a she was like an aunt to me she was very like all right look this is what you need to do that's Fucking pretty good this. Aunt. and i came in different because she knew everybody mm-hmm. she well she didn't know everybody but most of the comics that's come to she knew of she heard of them they were the headliners i'm like the baby who like i had a good audition who are the bigger comics that were they had like Ida Rodriguez was uh-huh. on my season. She was already headlining clubs, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Schubert was already heading headlining clubs. Rodman, Nikki, like all these people I've seen when I was coming up. Yeah, they yeah. were like headlining like the urban rooms and all that shit. So Wanda seen that, but she didn't treat me like a baby. She was just like, "Step up, do your shit." And I got pretty far. I got to like. The finals, I, I was eliminated at at seven. So I was on 
TV for like 12 weeks. Wow. And I did that. Then I did Montreal. Then I, I just I just got into the groove of working. Right. I did guy code, girl code, all that shit. And I was like, oh, okay. Let's yeah. just fucking move forward. Work. Just then you're a professional moving. comic. Yeah. I felt like I was a professional moment I I started looking for work. The moment I was like, well, fucking Geek Salad exists, I was like, I'm a professional now. Nice. Because I'm looking for work. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how yeah. I felt. I'm like, this is a job for me. If I find a if I find a gig that'll pay me a hundred dollars, I'll go to fucking the, the outskirts of Brooklyn and yeah. I would do it. Yeah. And I would negotiate shit. I'd be like, yeah, can I get a meal? And they'd be like, well, if you get a meal, your pay goes down. But what if I get just an appetizer? I'm like, I'll fucking do all that shit. Right. So it seems like uh, you have a very positive attitude. And you have to be. And it seems like you've been through, you know, so much stuff, especially, I mean, obviously in your personal life, but also yeah. in the early stand-up life, which is a little bit, I would say it's yeah. like a little harder yeah. than... Uh, on average, you yeah. know, to have to everybody. I think everybody goes to New York. They struggle a little bit. Right? Everybody struggles. But you know, when you guys when you struggle financially on top yeah. of it, then I think it's an extra level of stress. Yeah. Too. But I just had the best thing about New York is I I surrounded myself with people who wanted who we we will we had the same goals or similar goals and. And we had similar drive. Like, most of the people that I surround myself with. Like, I came up with, like, Che and Michelle and all them. Yeah. They were already, like, in a groove. But when I got here, like, I was still like, hey, what up? Like, they knew me. We're friends. Right, we right. hang out. We talk. And they didn't have money at that time. No, they, no. You know what I mean? They were doing the open mics, too. But I was like, well, these motherfuckers aren't complaining. They're there every night fucking yeah. grinding. I'm like, I'm doing that. And I moved up with people who had jobs and all that shit. But when they lost a job, they moved back. Yeah. They quit. You know what I mean? So it was like, fuck it. If I see, if you, like I, look at it like, I look at it like this. If I see a group of people doing it despite what I think mm -hmm. I need to do it, I'm going to go, well, they just proved me wrong. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. So when I seen all these comics like the Lucas Brothers and uh, Derek Gaines and Hannibal and all of them, Going to the, these different clubs and killing despite not being famous right. and paid. I went, well, I'm going to be part of that group. Yeah. Those motherfuckers are funny in spite of. Mm -hmm. So I seen that shit and I was like, yeah. And it made it easier because I'm like, all right, just keep moving that way. It's definitely yeah. easier in stand up to, I mean, for one, it's very important who you surround yourself with. Yes. You got to surround yourself with people that are going to have a positive influence yeah. on you. Obviously there's people that are going to hold you back because yeah. they're into things that are not productive. Yeah, absolutely. Stand up wise. And then the other thing is, is that when you are in a group of people that are moving in a positive direction, it does pull you with them because yeah. you're, you're trying to do the same thing they're trying to do. And you, yeah. you are encouraged by their accomplishments and you know, it's, it makes it easier. Yeah. And, and it would be, I think trying to do stand up like with no friends. Yeah. I can't even imagine. That's the, a lonely. That's lonely, man. Because it's it's so hard to do it that you yeah. kind of need the support of everybody around you to you keep do. going. You yeah, It's lonely. You do that role. I think the road would be different for me if I didn't have my group of comics who I can like text and call and be like, yo, this sucks or this is great or whatever. Yeah. Like if it was just me in my head, 
That was how people commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be a drug addict or something probably. <laughs> so did you, was it hard um, to develop as a performer or did that come naturally to you? I mean, I, it's two levels to it, right? Yeah. Like just because it comes natural doesn't mean you still got to work. You don't right. have to work on it. Right, absolutely. So I think being comfortable in front of people and being comfortable with, the meeting strangers all day is a natural thing because that's my life. Like, yeah, I grew right. up and I bounced around a lot. So the being comfortable part in front of strangers, that came natural, but I still had to work on the other aspect yeah. of it. I still had to work on the fucking being like, all right, now this is how you say something. Uh-huh. This is how you This is how you move through subjects. This is how you, like, command the room. Right, but right. But I could naturally get up there and just stand up there in front of people. Right. And like, well, all right, well. Yeah, I wonder if you're particularly good at uh, at reading people and then relating to people because yeah. you have to keep changing environments throughout yeah. your life and you're just around different people and so your brain is always figuring out how yeah. to get how to get along with different people how to how to meet them in the middle yeah i'm always trying I, when i'm on stage i'm always like all right i know that whatever i'm like with the set that i'm working on now and the set that i'm putting together i go it's not relatable but it's interesting yeah because if it's relatable, that means most of the people in the audience went through it. Yeah, but that's, that's I, an interesting distinction. Yeah, so I go, it's not relatable. Because you wouldn't be able to go, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> your mom was on drugs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right, right. Unless some people go, some people go, yeah, well, my mom was on drugs. And I go, all right, and it affects them. But then sometimes, like you've seen the audiences, yeah. you go to different shows. And they don't look like me. And they don't, sure, they, don't sure. they didn't come from where I came from. But I'm like, I don't have to make them feel bad about that shit. So let me uh-huh. give you this. Let me give you my story in the most humorous way possible. So that way you're still interested. I do like your mentality of you you want to walk the audience through Absolutely. the experience. So and even, you know, you had the idea to you want to be on stage first and you want to mm-hmm. you want to bring the host up because you yeah. want to you want to kind of lay the groundwork for everybody. Yes. And I think that's a smart thing to do to, to, to take control and to be like, cause a lot of times the audience, they need to just be confident in you. And so when you're up there with confidence and you're telling them, this is going to be fine, everything, we're going to have a fun time. This is what's going to happen. You don't got to worry about it. And I think that's a I think that's a cool way to approach it. And it gives you a lot of freedom with your material because you've already reassured them so you can take them down some tougher roads. Yes. I love I I don't know where I got the idea from, but it was just I think I seen I actually think I seen it like in a play or something where the main character comes out and then he says what the show is. And it's theatrical. Like, thank you for coming out. And I was like. Oh, that'd be cool if they do that in stand up. Yeah. And then you go, well, why does somebody else got to do it? Let me fucking do it. Right. And I started doing it at my shows in New York. And I do it for that reason. Because I go, I know how hard it is to host because you got to get everybody comfortable. But you got to get them comfortable with a stranger. So how uh-huh. about I introduce them first? Like, hey, I'm the main course. Y'all going to be good. Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And then, but this host is about to come up here and kill it. And set yeah. them up uh-huh. to. I want them to tell jokes too, because sure. I remember being a host that you get ten minutes and at least five, at least working at the Laugh House, 
five of your ten had to be crowd work. If you did yeah. your jokes up top, he was like, what are you doing? Like, we're still serving drinks. We're still doing this fucking get them comfortable first. Yeah. And then start doing your jokes. They always were like, close on jokes, open on work. And I'm like, okay. But it's not terrible that. advice. <laughs> it's not terrible advice, but I'm also like, but it's nice. I want you to get your, I want you to get your rocks off. Yeah, myself. well, it's nice when you don't have to do it. It's yeah. nice because like it's kind of like if you open in a theater, you yeah. don't really have to do that. You in a theater, you can go straight into jokes, yeah. right? And it's it's yeah. no problem at all because everything is set up so well, and yeah. everybody has a really good understanding of what's happening. In the club, is just it's more chaos. It's yeah. more, it takes a while for people to kind of like focus and everything yeah so and it's it's of course it's nice to uh to be able to just perform and not have to worry about like changing the audience i want to do some richard Pryor shit when i finally get the tape when i get to theater level i want to come out and just start the show while they're getting situated yeah you ever see that shit you ever see him do that he did that on i think richard Pryor live oh no no aretha franklin just got done singing and he just comes out, yeah, yeah, you got your fucking popcorn, blah, blah, blah. And you literally are watching people walk to their seats going, fuck y'all. They already laughing. They're oh, already that's like, interesting. Ah. And they sit down, and his first 15 minutes is him going, yeah, like, shut up, be quiet, but in a funny way, and they're laughing. And then it just gets quiet, and you just hear the, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that is fucking control. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I want that. I <laughs> yeah. want that. That's pretty cool. I want to be able to just walk out and then be like, I, that comes from a level of like, we came to see you, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I that's want right. that. Yeah, like you don't even, I saw Louie, you know, RIP, but I yeah. saw him <laughs> and uh, he didn't have an opener at all. Really? He, you, you. Everybody sits down, and then he just announced he he did voice of God for himself. He brought himself out, and then Damn. came out and just started telling jokes. Damn. And he did like an hour and a half. Good for him. So, I think it's yeah, and I think, you know, you do get locked into these like, things are supposed to be this way, yeah. and they are this way every single time, and all the specials kind of are are the same. But all the greats are the ones who change yeah, that. Yeah, gotta do different. All the greats go. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I'm going to do that shit. I can't <laughs> wait. You'll see. You'll see. That shit going to be great. I'm going to just walk out like, yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, the show started. I'm fucking hour and a half of straight fire. Do you have a, do you want to be a stand-up? Like, is that, you want to be mainly I, that? I want to do, I want to do as much as I can. But right now, what's on my plate is stand-up. I wanna I wanna act more. Mm-hmm. I wanna direct more. I wanna create. I wanna be able to do stand up for fun and create a couple of things a year, even yeah. if I'm just giving my input. Like I may not be in front of the camera, but I can be behind the camera. Did so you I direct something? No, I wanna. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I only got in. We didn't get the chance. Like me, it was me. This was like a while ago. This was like five years ago. Oh, shit. I do get the opportunity. Fuck. I've had so many failed pilots mm-hmm. that I don't even think about it. <laughs> I did some with Comedy Central. Me, Kurt Metzger, and Andy Letterman. We EP'd it. We worked with Dan Powell. It was really good. Dan Powell is the producer of Amy Schumer Show. Okay. So he he allowed us to be like hands-on with it. He was like, I'll walk you through the process. So we wrote it. 
then we did the table read. Then from the table read, we got to pick. The, we picked what actors. We did the casting. Uh, then we watched each other and we directed each other. That was fun. It didn't get picked up. Then I got to do something with my friends. Like it was like me, Derek, Chloe. We did something for the people who produce um, and practical Joker shit. We did that twice. We did two shows twice for them that was supposed to go to Viceland or True TV. It's the same thing. Like me, my me and my friends rewrote it. We got the point. We got to the point of who we wanted to shoot it. And then we directed each other. So it was just like, yeah, I'm in that hat, but I still haven't got anything past. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I was looking at, I was looking at, you know, like your bio and I was like, all right, you could kind of see it's like, oh, you did Last Comic Standing. Yeah. You know, you're getting these things and it's like, oh, what? I wonder what was was going on in 2016, 17, 18, like beginning of 18. It's like, oh, you were making fucking three shows. Dude, man, I was trying. I was fucking swinging. That's tough, man, because you spend all that time and then you don't get any exposure from it. Yeah, but what you do get is you don't lose that knowledge and you don't lose that connection. Yeah, experience. Because... I and now I go to a meeting. I learn a little bit more than I did. Right. I'm also like, um, like I know who I want to talk to, who I want to learn what from. You know. But I've always stayed like, it's weird. Since I've been on TV, I haven't not been on TV. I just haven't been on shit that people watch. Like since the last comic standing and and like I've done like, I've done like I was in late night. Mm-hmm. I did that little thing. I did Jim Gaffigan shit. I was doing like some shit for E. So I always stay in little shit, but I just was like, oh, I'm not going to say it because no one watches this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. We call it get money gigs. We're like, yeah. look, if they don't ask me to tweet, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, really? That yeah. Makes difference I'm like, you're like, I'm you don't want to have to say it? I'm like, look, if they ain't saying, hey, promote this, I'm fine with just getting that little check. Yeah, yeah. Keep it moving. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's how you got to be. But- you're going to keep trying to make TV shows? I'm going to keep trying to make TV shows because that's where longevity is. You want to, I, I want to do the rooms. I want to sell out, but you sell out by putting money into yourself. Yeah. So, you know. And I think like that's how you really blow up. Yeah. You know, there's obviously there's, a, there's different ways of blowing up. Yeah. But, you know, if you have a show that's good that yeah. people like i mean that'll make that's gonna like re- you'll go up several levels from absolutely that, man. just from that one thing i'm gonna keep pushing because and you're working I with good people it. those are funny people that yeah. they're working with on those projects i mean it's not like yeah. these are not like uh i'm like small man, things i i'm meeting i'm meeting a lot of people and i see people who are successful at it like i see Gerard, yeah. kyle michael and I go, all right, I'm a, I, I see that. He's op- he's showing you the path. Yeah. He's like, do your stand-up, but create. Fucking be that dude in that room. I think he's even creating some paths. Yeah. I think he's kind of, he's he's like kind of shifted some power yeah. b- between entertainers and like networks and stuff. I, yep. I think he's he's pushing it forward for other people to, to yeah. follow behind him. Dude, it's where it's at, man. I love doing stand-up, and I don't want to burn it out, and I don't want to work it like a job. So I will work everything else like a job. Yeah. I'm like, I'll keep pitching shows. I'll keep going, taking these generals. I keep going on auditions. You just keep doing that stuff because 
it keeps me employed with stand-up. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, if I get one extra credit a year, then people go, oh, he's still relevant. Right. It's like one of those things. Yeah. You know? And it, that uh, the whole thing about, like, trying to make shows, too, it's like completely new world where mm-hmm. it's completely mysterious. So if you've never done it before, you but have no the, idea, right? But the dope thing about that, that outside world is they love comics. And the thing is, a lot of comics just go, ah, I don't want to be no fucking writer. I don't want to this. Yeah, but that's there's right. there's so many writers who love to help out. Like, since I made that attempt, I'm not name dropping, mm. but since I made that attempt to write shit, I've met, like, three dope producers and write multi- more, but three that I can text and be like, hey, yo, I need help with this, or can you do this? And that's uh, Angela Nissel. She's like, uh, she's uh, she wrote two books. She was one of the main writers on the Boondocks. She did scrubs. She was the she did scrubs for years. Now she's doing like mixed dish and last OG. Then there's another guy named Michael Weber who I was doing a project with someone at HBO, but it was just so much fucking runaround that I was just like, we just kind of like stopped. We just like was like, yo, this ain't going nowhere. Yeah, because we would like find ourselves in the same position like a year later. Like, yo, we ain't make no fucking steps. But I met Michael Weber, who's the dude who made fucking Fault in Our Stars, spectacular now, like a lot of like award winning movies. He's yeah. from Philly, and I met him in a meeting, and he was like, yo, anytime you need help, hit me up. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. want to fucking help. Yeah, you. they do. It's true. They want to help. That's true. It's just you got to get out of your fucking way. And I like learned that from just doing stand up. Like every well, time I wanted to be better, there was somebody at the other end going, come on. What would you tell somebody? What would you tell like a younger comic that's like about like they just moved to New York or they're about to move to New York and they haven't been on TV yet? What do you think? I say do as many shows as you can. Take it serious, but also be be all right with fucking taking an L. Like be all right with not having your set go right. But your 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 funny is your is is your only reputation, at mm-hmm. least in New York. Like yeah. they should know you're funny before they know you're an alcoholic, <laughs> before yeah. they know that you uh, that you make chicks uncomfortable. They should know <laughs> you're funny before that. Yeah. It should always go, wait, he did what? But he's so funny. <laughs> if you're funny, I'll precede you, you'll be fine. So always work on that shit. Work on being funny and work on being funny in that's if you want to do it. If you want to be an actor, then fucking take acting classes or like right. audit acting classes. You can. I learned that you can go to an acting class for free once. There's so many fucking teachers. Yeah. You Why wouldn't you audit. just fucking go to different courses, audit, take notes, and then go to the next one, and audit, take notes, and then go to the next one? Have you done that? I mean, on certain shit. Yeah, yeah. I did it with like improv shit. I mean, that's good, man. Yeah. It's good. I think it's good to take classes. It's good to educate yourself. Take a fucking class. Like, learn, like, sucks. Make yourself more valuable. Learn how to write because writing frees up your stand-up. The more people that know that you know how to be funny on paper, it opens up more jobs because then I'll go, oh, yo, you want to write for me on this? You want to do this? But now that you can do that, you got time to work on your stand-up. Mm-hmm. So I would say, fuck that. Don't look for a job. Just make yourself valuable. Fucking be funny, write, and work on something else. 
Yeah. Now, I don't stand up. I'm a stand up first dude, though. That's good, though. I'm a stand up first dude. I'm like, if your stand up ain't ready. Yeah, you can't be good at stand up if you don't want stand up first. I yeah. Don't think. Dude, get stand up comes first. Yeah. Stand up. I love that shit. It's the best. I love it. Well, man, I think we've yeah. done it. Oh, shit. We were talking. Uh, you got a, you want to you got anything else you want to get out I'm done. Chest? Listen to uh listen to my podcast. Oh yeah, you want to talk about your podcast? It's called No Need for Apologies. It's me, my homie Derek Gaines. The podcast is growing. It's great. The quality got better. We're with Gas Digital Network now. Uh we got video. I was going to say you guys do videos, right? We do videos I now. I see your videos out there, yeah. Yeah, man. We got we we did some shit. We had Pete Rock on, we had Godfrey on. Yeah, Godfrey we, was doing that. Godfrey did the impression that went fucking viral Steve Harvey he did a Steve Harvey impression went viral we had a little brother on we're having fun man yeah. so listen to the podcast no need for apologies follow me on all the socials Monroe Martin I I I yeah <laughs> alright thank you man thank you for more information about our live shows check out undergroundcomedydc.com